Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, what's that? It's 2019? Wow. Things are so different now. But welcome to the podcast, the first episode of 2019. The podcast is presented by Scent Crusher, scentcrusher.com. We talk about them all the time, and we got some episodes coming up. With Dan Drake himself and uh, maybe some other people from the Scent Crusher crew um, at ATA next week coming in hot. Um, check out Scent Crusher. Be on the lookout for new products. I honestly don't know what's coming that's new. I'm I'm uh, assuming there's new stuff coming. Uh, just stay 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 with it with us. I don't even know what I'm saying right now. Check out ScentCrusher.com. The podcast <laughs> is brought to you by them. We love them. Uh, we love that whole family. Super thankful for their partnership. Also, we are brought to you by HHA Sports. Single Pin Nation will be at the HHA booth at ATA. We might do some podcasts at that booth, hanging out with their buddy Scott Bakken, seeing what they got out at HHA, HHA this year. Uh, we've been shooting the Virtus Rest, the Kingpin, uh, Fixed Position, and Dovetail. We're rocking both of those in our crew. Um, we got to get Mr. Chandler and Ross Bigger on the HHA um, scheme of things. Ross has his opinions on, on uh, single pin sites. We've discussed that in the past on why he's wrong Multiple and single pin's the best. <laughs> Uh, check out HHASports.com. Lifetime warranty. And they support our veterans. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're a communist like Ross and, and don't want to shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> also, brought to you by Elite Archery. We are all part of the Elite family in here. Uh, right. Studio full of Elite shooters. Yep. I haven't hung out with a guy who hasn't shot an Elite in a long time. And that says something about the people I like to hang out with. And it means that they're all good people. <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. But... uh I like you more if you shoot an elite. Uh, all joking aside, we're not trying to do push-ups everywhere we go. We're just trying to shoot our bows and shoot them accurate. Um, there's another. That's a joke. Everybody, settle down. <laughs> it's like goddamn. <laughs> it's God a joke. Damn. Everyone, everyone's butt hurt lately, man. There's all kind of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah everyone's butt hurt in the, in the in the industry, and, and listeners are getting. A, maybe it's just. It's like the more shit you do, the more people get offended. But uh, anyway, super pumped to be in that elite family shooting the rituals. The Ritual 30's out. I'm excited to see what's coming from Elite at ATA next week. God, next week. I can't believe it's here already. Dude, I'm stoked. 
I'm stoked. This was the fun time of year where the hunting is all winding down a bit, and then all the new gear comes out, and people start getting gear crazy. Um, gives me anxiety a little bit, but <laughs> it's fun. It is fun. It's a blast. Also brought to you by Big Tine. Uh, Big Tine, I can't use the mineral in Illinois, but I can use the Buck Brunch, uh, Food Plot Seed. Uh, but Eric, you use the mineral in the off-season for yep. your deer herd. Deer fucking love that shit. Yeah, you it's and like Doug crack. were talking about it. It's like insane how <clears throat> attracted to it they are. Yeah, we could put out like six bags and two days later it's gone. Really? Jeez. Yeah. They find it within... I've had deer put it out within an hour they're at the pile. Really? Of me leaving, yeah. They like smell like smell the cherry crush yeah, or whatever the I scent guess. is. I don't know. What uh can you put it out you can put it out like the day after bow season, right? Yep. yep. So it just gotta be out thirty days before before season, season starts. Yep. And you're supposed to cover it or get rid of it. Right. They got so many different rules now and the way they word it in the actual DNR book, so it's kinda but it used to always be, you know, 30 days out before, and then you have to dig, like, a foot down of the dirt to get yeah. all the mineral out of the ground. I know a lot of people who use it, and they go, like, the extra mile just to avoid any sort of, like, uh, misunderstanding or miswording in the book. And that's, like, mm-hmm. even people in, like, Indiana and other states. And, like, most people tell you, like, put a piece of plywood down or put a tarp down, you know, throw it on top of that so that um, mineral does not soak into the dirt. So then you don't have to dig a giant hole there, you know. Right, yeah. It's awesome stuff. Um, just I only know that from seeing all the shit you guys send us on your trail cams. Oh, yeah, it's um, insane. But I wish we could use it. Maybe it'll change in Illinois, but if not, I'm fine using the food plot seed and uh, wearing the cool gear, and um, that's good enough for me. Check out Big Time. We'll be podcasting at their booth the first day of ATA uh, later in the afternoon. Man, I should have my schedule on me. Um, we'll be there, like, I think 3.30 on the first day at ATA. So find us there. Any awesome. question mark. <laughs> we, we will be there in the afternoon the first day. I just can't remember what time exactly. Um, I say we just hop into the podcast. That's all. We rambled enough. I'm Chase Ralston with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey, everybody. It's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey, guys. This is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi. I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Munt from Ball Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Blackman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is a podcast for Billy Joe Lunchbucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like working class bow hunter. Hey, this is Jules McQueen, and you are listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter podcast. It's really, really not that good. Good, 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 Welcome to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast, episode 263. Kurt is speaking, and I get left out, I think, because we don't, we don't ever say our own names or who's talking on the podcast, so Kurt Geyer here. Eric Hammon in studio. I'm here. I'm back for good now. For good. Back on <laughs> first shift. Yep. I'm drinking beers now. And new job. New job. That's I'm awesome. Loving it. Yeah. Congrats, dude. 
Hell yes. You're uh, no longer on that third shift. Hustle. Yep, I gave that shit up for good. <laughs> Cameron Tank is in the building. How's it going? You once called the intern, and I think we're tra- we're trying to phase you off that. Oh, how's it feels that feel? different? Remember, you ruined it a couple episodes ago. I know. I don't like it. Pull that mic on your, in your face. There you go. See? Is that better? Yeah. That, that's closer than two fingers. You're learning. You're learning. Damn it. There I go. Intern again. Ross yeah. Bigger in studio. <laughs> yep. That's me. <laughs> Austin Chandler's in studio. What's up, guys? And on the phone, Clint Casper's calling in from Ohio. What's going on, fellas? What's up? <clears throat> it's good to have all you guys here. Uh, Clint, I wish you were in studio with us. Uh, but <sighs> this is... His, Gonna be as good as we can get it. That's right. Um, we got some of the three most knowledgeable whitetail hunters that I know. Uh, we're missing Clark Cummings. It would be the the fourth. Um, but yeah, it's our own little crew we got. So thanks everyone for making this happen. Everyone's awfully quiet. It's weird. Well, um, all right. <laughs> we'll talk. <laughs> we'll hit a veteran shout out quickly. Um, our buddy D Rock from Connecticut sent one in. Um, Mark Summer, uh, Navy SEAL, uh, E6. He traveled the world while raising beautiful and strong daughters and spent his last days in Springfield, Missouri, taking care of his elderly mom while carrying on the American pride and tradition of saluting his country every morning to start the day. He passed away on December 20th. Um, So that D-Rock submitted that. So. Thank you, Mark, for your service. Um, yep. Thank you. D-Rock Thank you. and Sandra, we are sorry for your loss, um, and we really appreciate everything he did. That's awesome that he submitted that, D-Rock. So if you want to submit a veteran shout-out, just go to workingclassbowhunter.com, send one in. Uh, we appreciate all of you. And I wish we could do more, but just doing the veteran shout-out um, every episode is just the least we can do. But So thanks, everyone, out there for your service, and submit a veteran shout-out. Well, Hell yeah. The topic of this episode is late season bow hunting, and we are down to the wire. We're deep in late season right now. Deep, man. We're we're probably a couple weeks late on this episode, in all honesty. Yeah. But the reason why I could have just because we're getting ready to start trade show season next week, I could have just jumped past this and said we're just not going to do one. But I feel like now with I don't know how many weeks are left, three four weeks left. Um, no, depending we, on where you live, say we got seven days. Oh, in Iowa, you do? Yeah, we got oh, till the tenth. Yeah. Okay, in Illinois, I think the twentieth. Yeah. Um, some states run a little longer. Some states are kind of in between all that. Uh, Thirty-four days in the Buckeye State, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Okay, you got a jaunt. You got a jaunt. It's. <laughs> I wanted to do this episode now because I think this will give. People that are still hustling out there that are kind of losing hope. The Eric's raising his hand. <laughs> it give it gives those people a little bit of the rocket boosters to finish out and hit the finish line. And sure. that's why you guys are here to talk about that. You guys all have experiences killing late season. Um, Ross just killed a doe yesterday or the day before. Both, both, both. two in a row. <laughs> um, Austin, you killed a buck last week. Yep, and. Last year, Clint, we were at ATA. You were supposed to go to ATA with us, and you killed a buck while we were at ATA. Um, so yeah. the first week of January. Uh, with glass in your foot. Yeah, with a piece of glass yeah. in your foot. <laughs> January 13th. Man. So if that doesn't prove that these boys can kill deer late season, Ross, you've killed 
was it not last? Was it last year? Or the year before you killed year, that year that, before last year and missed. But you, you're on them. We're on them. <laughs> yep. So, you love late season, don't you? I do. And really, it's it's come to that point uh, within the last four to five years. I'd say five years. I've kind of transitioned over to late season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say a lot of it has to do with work. Uh, I'm an electrician. I work on them grain bins and all kinds of stuff and it's finishing out the year get through the holidays and and approaching the holidays and then into the last part of the year mm-hmm. is all my free time to really start hunting hard and it it's it's been working good we get a lot of uh, a lot of encounters and and i have been able to capitalize on a couple of them and and or a few of them and then i've missed on a few of them so it's part, of, will, the, part I, of the game i will say i'm a little jealous though because i'm out there in the tree stand freezing my ass off <laughs> and he sent a snapchat sitting in a blind sitting a little, in a coop a little here well, and he's worried about his windows fogging up he's wiping <laughs> down well like, let's cover so, a few sometimes. things sometimes so we have uh people submitted some questions on facebook which we're going to get to and we'll probably answer a lot of them before we even get to that point but in, from my experience, I'm not a huge like late season guy. I've never killed like a big buck real late season. Um, I've killed some does late season. I know from my experience, food is where it's at late mm-hmm. season. They're just you know they're going to be on that food, especially if it's cold. Um, this year's kind of throwing a stick in everyone's spokes where we're not getting that cold weather that everyone wants for late. You have to have cold weather to make late season hunting effective. Yep. Um, I mean, really, because it makes them, they have their, their slaves of their stomach, they have to go to food. I think it's kind of like that across the board, across the whole U.S., ain't it, that it's been kind of yeah. warm out this whole season? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It has been. Well, and hell, it's been, it was colder in November in the rut than it is right now. Yeah, yep. it really was. <laughs> well, so, and, I think we need to get a couple things out of the way, because there's going to be a lot of guys that um, maybe they don't have grain to hunt over for late season, uh, you know, be- soybeans or corn. They, their property doesn't butt up on field edges, maybe. Um, so those guys are going to have, like, different tactics, and we can dive into maybe what they can do to increase their chances of of late-season success. Um, again, where do you guys think we should start with this whole topic? If we're going to dive in, if, if there was a book or if there was a <laughs> podcast episode called Late Season Bowhunting 101, what would be the first chapter? Food. Food. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's start there. Let's uh, since you you spoke first, Austin. Let's dive into why is food important late season. Well, even though the temperatures haven't been as cold as we want here in Illinois, the biggest deer I've seen late season was it was fifty three degrees that night, mm-hmm. and he's still coming out and he's feeding on cut beans. So they still have to get up, they still have to eat. So food is important whether it's cold or warm. Um, Man, if you've got the time, just get out there, grind it out. Even if it's warm, get out there and see what you see because literally my best sightings this season, other than the big drop-time deer I was after, all came after I shot that deer. So after December 12th or 13th, whenever I started hunting hard again, I seen like five or six good bucks after that. And Mm -hmm. to go along with what you said, Austin, that uh, whether it's warm or cold, I'd agree and say no matter what they need to they need to eat because they just right, dog yeah. themselves out over rut. I mean, yeah. A lot, and and to back up this year uh, in particular, we had a great big snow and a whole lot of cold weather at the wrong time. Fairly early, yeah, yeah, fairly early, and they were still kind of ruddy and and it didn't it wasn't working as good. So even though you yeah. sat the food source, 
you know, you'd think at that point you should be on the field edge. Well, I sat the field edge, and a few would come out, but I didn't see any big ones at all. I think when so. we got that snowstorm, and we'll jaunt 10 hours east to where Clint's at, too, because I don't know what you got off that snowstorm, Clint, but I think when that snowstorm hit, there were still a lot of does locked down, or a lot of bucks locked down with does, yeah. and I think that was kind of like, it was giving the the feeling of a late season hunt, mm-hmm. when in reality, wrong it, it was still, yeah, it was the wrong timing for that type of uh mindset because we got like 15 inches of snow didn't we dude yeah yeah we had a ton of snow what'd you get clint uh we were probably in that like i don't know it was probably four to six something like that i mean it was like over the course of a few days but i know like here i mean the biggest thing i'm seeing is uh a lot of deer are on green right now because there's green available that usually isn't available i mean a Mm -hmm. lot of guys i'm hearing this Ah, it's not cold. I'm not hunting. It's not, you know, there's not snow. And I I mean, just the other day I was driving home. It was like probably 415, maybe 20 after four and driving down the highway and looked down in across this, uh, across the, the highway in this creek bed about 200 yards away from a major highway. And there's a couple little patches of green grass growing on the side of this creek, and there was probably 150-inch buck feeding on that in broad daylight. I mean, just because that feed is not usually available this time of the year. And, I mean, right. they've, had beans, they've had beans and corn all fall. So, I mean, some of this green that's, that's actually still green, they haven't had that since early in the year. And, you know, I mean, there's, I, I don't know, in my opinion, a lot of guys right now have either burnt themselves out or they've let themselves get to the point to where, bow hunting isn't fun anymore and i mean if i'm writing a, mm-hmm. if i'm if i'm writing a, a late season bow hunting 101 book my first chapter is going to be get your head right the mental side of it Ooh, because that's a right. good take I mean, on it that's a good take I mean, on it yeah like food is important if you don't have food you need to find cover where they're bad and if you don't but bottom line is if you don't have the mental strength right now to say I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna grind it out I'm gonna sit in a tree I'm gonna stay after it you're either a not gonna hunt very often or b when the moment does come you're gonna forget what you even do because your head's not in it and you're gonna you're, you're gonna f up a 25 yard chip shot that you should make and you know I mean hey it's it's fourth quarter I mean it's fourth quarter I mean it's, I mean guys have hunted all year guys have missed guys have had their target bucks get hit by cars they've had bucks get killed they've had bucks get poached a lot of doubters I, mean, I get it yeah. oh yeah i mean I, I i get it i mean last year i hunted till the 13th of january it took, it took me 97 days to kill that buck last year but yeah. i mean you skipped it, ata back, to go you're like hey boys i'd love to be there but <laughs> oh yeah but i mean the, you know i mean it was just it was just you know to me late season is as much about mental as it is anything because mm-hmm. if you don't if you're not mentally in in the game, it's well. I'm going to watch this football game tonight. Well, I'm going to stay at home with the old lady. And we're going to watch a movie. Well, I'm. Gonna, I mean, it's like, man, you got to excuses you gotta become wanna, more worthy. Late oh season. yeah, you got to want to be out there because come June or July, you're going to be kicking yourself in the ass for saying, you know, man, I should have should have been hunting in January. I, you know, I I, I should have hunted. You know, blah blah blah. Man, I do anything to be in a tree stand right now, but yet. The whole last month of season, you hunted three times. So it's like you know you gotta you gotta think about that stuff right now. Well, it makes it so worth it after all the effort you put in. If you do choose to grind it out, that's it, and it comes together, and and it may not, it may not come yep. together. But oh, at yeah. least you can sit at home in June or July and say, I guarantee you, January fifteenth, there was not a giant buck sitting over there by my yeah, by right. my ear. <laughs> you ruled out every possibility, and you know the thing is, you know 
bow hunting is going to throw rough seasons at you like that. Mm-hmm. And I think those are really important for learning. Yeah. I hustled it out to the end last year, and I was rewarded with tagging out early this year. And it just goes in waves. Sometimes it, it comes a little easier. Sometimes you nothing goes right. It's a downhill shitstorm of missing, or you wound one, or you just don't ever see one. Like my dad, he missed one late October, rushed in on him. He just got flustered, missed. Just it happens to all of us. And we haven't had a real good one on trail camera all season. My dad's just been grinding it out. My dad's been hustling. And sometimes there's nothing you can do. You you think you do everything right? That's hunting. Yeah, yep. you can hunt as hard as you want, but if there's not a yeah. big one in there, it's just not going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, my, the thing. that's my season right now. Yeah, Eric's been hustling and just <laughs> been hitting it hard and just haven't been able to. I mean, I missed. I hit that one October 6th or 7th or whatever. Never yeah. found yeah. it. Well, Eric, you know what I think, man? You, you had... You still you had a rough mule deer season early in, yes. in September, but you still got it done. I personally think you're going through that rough patch of a season, and next year because you push through and put your time in and the work in anyway, I just think that it comes in waves like that, right? Uh-huh. You know, and Saturday and yeah. Sunday are my last days to go before end of, or season closes. So, yeah, I'm gonna hit her hard this weekend and see if I can't get it done. Yep. So I like yeah. I like that we have this cuz we're right on the border um Western Illinois, Iowa. We got we got Iowa, Illinois and Ohio in, in the studio. So Clint's roughly 10 hours straight beeline east of us. Yep. And it's all kind of all the same things kind of apply being in the Midwest. And even when you get further to the east and really really kind of all over into the south even too late season, you know. Um What's cold for them? I don't. I've never hunted in the south, but I'm just assuming you're going to hit food late season. That's what you're going to see. Um, but so if we did chapter one, you know, food slash get your head right, pretty much. You know, stick with it. Um, I love that. Really, I love the pep talk, and I'm glad you brought that up too, Clint, because we've been getting messages the last couple of weeks, like still got a tag in my pocket, I'm burnt out, like uh, I don't like any advice. What do I do? And then which I'm glad we're doing this now. It's a good, it's a rocket boosters to hit the finish line. Um, oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. I get, I get, I've had a ton of those here the last probably two weeks that guys are just like, man, I don't know, you know, what what would you do? And I'm like, man, you got to keep hunting. I mean, you know, and the, and the, and here's the thing too. I mean, for the guys that are, you know, the guys that fill the buck tag and they're looking for, you know. Uh, a mature buck, you know, four or five year old or, or, or bigger. I mean, uh, hunting, hunting big bucks one on one. Here's the deal. You're not going to kill a giant every year. You're not going to fill your tag every year. And, and that, that's just, I mean, that's all part of it. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's some years it's just not going to happen. And, you know, but go down swinging and say, well, I gave it all I had, but I didn't fill my tag versus, well, I just didn't hunt the last month because ah, I just really wasn't feeling it. And that, I mean, you know, I mean, hey, you know, it, if you don't want to be there, I guess don't be there. But don't let an excuse be the reason why you're not there just because you've, you've talked yourself out of it. I mean, you know, swing, right. swing for the fences and, hey, we've all been there. I mean, some years you're just not going to kill a buck in your state. I mean, it, it is yeah. what it is. I mean, that's just, you know, I mean, if it was just about killing a buck and that's it, yeah, I mean. You know, but, we've all had opportunities to kill a buck, but when you're hunting specific bucks or you're hunting a, hey, it's got to be a mature buck or bust type of deal, 
not every year are you going to get the tag one. That's just, yep. that's just a but part of it. I you, mean, you went down swinging, though. I mean, that's yep. all right. oh, absolutely, yeah. That's what yep. makes you, if you go down swinging, man, you put that last effort in, and, and you know, that's part of the fun of bow hunting. You know, it's, it is a struggle. It is hard. This isn't yep. a casual thing. Like, in my opinion, you should have to hustle after it to take the life of an animal. Yep. If it comes easy, you're just killing. Yeah, sure. You know, I, I think that if you want to take and respect an animal, it's going to take some effort and time and, and money and dedication. You're going to have to sacrifice time with your friends and family and not going out partying, even though everyone else in the industry might think all working class bow hunter does is drink. We fucking <laughs> kill deer first and then we celebrate <laughs> with beers. It's, you know, there's priorities here. We're, we're a hunter's first. And the camaraderie and deer camp comes with drinking beer and having fun with your buddies. Well, and, too, how shitty the season has been for me, too. I mean, I've learned so much from this season just because it was a shitty season. They're the most valuable. Yep. Oh, yep. for sure. They're the most valuable seasons, the hard ones. Yep. yep. And I just think people kind to, kind of lose sight of that a little bit. Um, just talking in general, like the how hard late season hunting gets. Um, I went, I've gone through it. I know... I've been talking to a lot of people this season that have either wounded a deer and you beat yourself up over it. And it's just part of it. Because honestly, yep. if I would have killed that buck October 6th, like it would have been fucking awesome. But I would have been devastated at the same time because I wouldn't be able to hunt till yeah, you end of buck. December, yeah. you know, <clears throat> until yeah. a late muzzleloader. Dude, what do you th- I haven't been, I'm, I was bucked out November 4th. Right. And it's kind of like a weird, it's, it's good though. Like I'm super thankful for it. I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't change it. But do I want to do that every year? Nah. Hell no. I'll take yeah. it every four, every five years. That'd be cool. The longer I watch Ross, the more I pay attention to, man, I wish I had a tag in my pocket still when this late season comes on because yeah. I really have got to see how good the hunting gets, you know, yeah. mid mm-hmm. to late December. It just, it's good. And I've missed out on that a lot in my early bow hunting career. But uh, the longer mm-hmm. I do this, the more selective I get early in the season and yeah. The more I like to hang hang on and keep a tag in my pocket for the late season. And it's sure. crazy how much, uh, or not how much, how, how many deer uh, you get velvet pictures of, then they disappear, and then super late season comes along where we're at right now, and, and then they, show up, up, they or, show up, or <clears throat> random show up. Deer yeah. that you haven't seen before yeah. that are great big. They're coming out of the, I mean, coming to food from other properties. Right now if you they're have grouping the up. There's bachelor groups and then there's great big groups of does and there's, there's yep. lots of, there's <clears throat> lots of things going on late season. And if you get on the right food source, talk about the food source. Like Clint said, feeding in a grass patch, uh, or what, what I've been seeing lately is, um, a cut bean field. You get that green, all the rain that we've had and all the things it's, it's caught and the warm weather has caused the greens to grow up in the yep. in the bean fields. I hunted, and, I hunted and, an alfalfa field last week and I had six bucks come out. Yep. One after each other right in line. And it's and That's these it. does I've noticed actually uh, one of the does I killed in the last 2 days came out straight north of my house in a little cove uh 300 yards from the house and I went back in there and they were coming out. I let them all come out. There's 11 of them uh all came out at the same time and they hit right into that green that green stuff growing in the and the bean uh, cut mm-hmm. beans. Do you so think that if it was they, way colder, they'd be on like oh, d- totally different. Yeah, on the beans and the corn and yep. and right more now, grainy protein filled. Right now, I feel uh, pretty grateful because I've got uh, half ass standing beans and cut cornfield and winter wheat. Mm. 
and they're all mm-hmm. tu- they're all touching together. And when standing, I, standing beans, they're the golden ticket. Yeah, they are. Uh, but when when the weather is cold or those deer are grinding and needing that protein, and mm-hmm. but I notice after hunting these three different sources, I can see all three of them from from my coop. <laughs> <laughs> from my coop. But, uh, I can watch I can watch all these deer file out, and they're on the greens when it's hot, and they touch the corn for a minute and that's about it but it's a buffet the last couple days austin i've hunted and they've been coming out in the beans and not so many on the winter wheat they hit the corn and then touched right in the beans so they, they kind of go back and forth okay if, if given those three food choices i would say i mean obviously the, the diversity is good is the yeah, moral yeah, of the, the greens are good give them everything they, they could want really but right, let me throw this some, at you guys and whoever wants to answer first it's if I'm going to ask about late season hunting and I say, where are you focusing your hunts? Are you morning? Are you midday? Are you afternoon? Like, where is your highest chances of success if you're going to put that time in? I'm going evening. Absolutely. All, all evening. Evening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. evening hands, yeah, hands down, evening. Everybody yeah. all around yeah. evening. We've got, yep. we've got, I know, I don't know about you, Clint, but me and Austin both have uh, several cell cameras running and they might they'll come out in the afternoon they'll feed and we'll get pictures of them all night long by daybreak they're all gone Mm. i've got i've got some good morning pictures but it's just it's so much more predictable in the afternoon you can get such a better bead on what they're doing in the afternoon and at this at this point in the game you really don't want to bust one out in the morning you know why roll that dice when he's going to get up and do the same thing almost every evening right makes sense makes sense um yep and it's scary this time of year too because the everybody is grouped up in big numbers right now. So if you do have a good food source that everybody's hitting, say twenty, say ten deer come out, say fifteen deer come out, now you got to get out of that blind and you didn't see your shooter buck and not blow everybody out of the field. So you got to be real selective on when you make that move. I I am anyway. I, I'm trying to be as selective as possible on when I get, make that move and get out there because. It, you go blowing deer out of the field every night, getting out of the stand or blind, right. and now you, now you just you might have ruined it. Well, plus, so. and you got ten more pairs of eyes, yeah. ten more yeah. noses. You got everything it's, else. It's scary yep. this time of yeah. year when they're all grouped up because, like last night, Austin and I were together, and there was a couple of good bucks we were going to pass, and tons of does. Too many deer. We couldn't get really. We couldn't get a window open. Uh, we did, but it was it was tough real tough we've got it down to an art form i'm i'm pulling the window up and handing the bow up to ross and then i'm holding the window open while he's shooting the dough we got a we got a system down <laughs> that's awesome that's kind of scary that's gotta be it scary. was teamwork definitely well let's do this let's i'm on facebook now we did the post yesterday about what we're going to talk about today and we'll just use the listener uh, submitted questions to dive deeper into this late season yep. uh puzzle and then you guys can all answer whoever wants to go just go um, it's all up in the air here. Uh, Mitchell, any advice on late season tactics with the warmer weather coming would be appreciated. We kind of covered this, but um, maybe everybody could just give a tip with warmer weather and like how to tackle it. Clint, I'll start with you since you're 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 the guest from out of state. <laughs> oh, I've, I'm I'm the privileged guy on the phone. Rather be in studio drinking beer, but it, it's all right. It's all here. good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, man, w- warmer temps, I mean, it's, it's tricky because, I mean, like Austin said, there's, 
I mean, I'm still seeing, you know, good bucks that are out feeding like you in daylight where you'd think it was 10 degrees out with a foot of snow. But I mean, I think, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, right now there's not a lot of pressure and a lot of these bucks, you know, I mean, they've been hunted, but there's a lot of guys that aren't hunting right now. And I, I think they're almost back into a calm state. And in my opinion, you can almost compare this weather right now to early season. And I, I, I love it when guys tell me, you're, you're an idiot for hunting the first week of, of, of season. It's going to be 75 degrees tonight. There ain't no big buck on his feet. Now, wait a minute. I watched them in 80 and 90 degree weather all summer long come out at 530, 6 o'clock, 630. Now, all of a sudden, because it's first week of bow season, you're telling me they're not going to move in 75 degree weather. Well, the same thing applies right now. I mean, yeah, would it be better if we have a ton of cold weather and snow to force them to move early every night. Absolutely. But they still got to feed. And right now with this warm weather, instead of just corn and beans to focus on, like I was saying, and, and like Ross and Austin all said, you've got this, you know, you've got these greens that are out there that usually aren't. So I would say focus right now on some of these food sources that normally aren't around right now whether it's clover fields that are still super green maybe you've got you know maybe you got a lot of creek bottoms where there is a bunch of super green neon patches that's growing right now i mean i would you know i would really try to key in on on if you if you can get in on some green or get in on some food sources that maybe you know usually aren't around right now check those out and just see what's going on um and and I'm I'm gonna go back to the mental thing too. I mean, step step one right now is you can't give up. Period. I mean, you absolutely cannot give up. That's bottom line. I don't care if you want to sneak in tight to a bedding area, if you hunt a cut cornfield, if you go hunt green, just hunt somewhere. Get be in the woods because it could happen any second, and the season's not over. So that's that's where I'm putting my money. Is I mean, you just you got to be out there, you know, swinging for the fences. I mean, it's it's in the you know ninth inning. Bingo. For sure. I think everybody's on board with that. Yep. Good luck, Mitchell. Keep us uh, in the loop, man. What happens? Uh, Trevor Schmidt, this should be epic. Um, Jake Corn Gable, late season is the best time to kill a specific big deer, hands down, especially if the weather cooperates. Keyboard. <laughs> um, Mike Topper, fuck. Now, yeah, fuck yeah, now I'm amped. Uh, <laughs> Cody Schaefer. In my state, you can bait, you can bait your deer. Is that a good way to kill a buck? Will that make them more nocturnal, or will that make them more nocturnal? So, in Illinois and Iowa, we can't do that, but Ohio, you can. Yep, yep, sure can. So you're the only guy that can talk about this, brother. So, I mean, here's here's the deal with with the baiting thing, and there's guys that are for it, guys that are against it. Personally, um, does it work? Absolutely. I've seen it work. Um, I've used bait piles as far as for, for pictures and to try to figure out bucks. Um, you know, baiting, in my opinion, if done correctly, can be super successful. But it's not as simple as what guys think. There's a lot of states that don't allow baiting and everyone thinks, oh, Ohio, just throw 120 pounds of corn on the ground, put a camera on it, figure out when a buck's coming in daylight and kill it. It's not It's not that easy. I mean, um, you know, you almost need to, you know, to 
Number one, you got to make them feel safe. I mean, your, your your location of the of the bait pile, say it's going to be corn or apples. I mean, it's got to be a location that number one, they're they're not afraid to be in during daylight. Um, you know, they're going to be super sketchy coming in. So I mean, your your tree stand setup has got to be you know on point. Realistically, if it's me and I said, okay, I'm going to bait. This is this is this is that's just my last ditch effort. I'm I'm baiting. Um, I would hunt the deer coming to the pile. And the reason why is because if you've got, imagine you've got a 250 pound pile of corn and you've got 12 does that come out early and they're on it. And then your buck comes out after that. Okay. Now you're trying to get drawn at 25 yards with all these eyes on you. Uh, you're trying to not get busted, not get winded. So, you know, the baiting thing I would, I would set up. 70, 80 yards, you know, on trails, you know, that are going to be leading to that and try to let deer actually slip by you onto it. Um, I think in late season, I mean, you obviously, you, you can't get away with any mistakes. So can you turn a buck not turtle by doing this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if he doesn't want or think that that pile's legit, um, you know, he might only hit it at night. You may, you may never see it in the daylight. I mean... You know, it's, it's kind of 50-50. I mean, but in the right scenario, I mean, there's guys here in Ohio that have a legit system like I'm talking about, and whether people think it's right or wrong, whatever, it's legal here, they kill a giant every single year off of baiting, whether it's apples, corn, mixture of minerals and corn, whatever. And, I mean, that's just their ticket. I mean, they're good yeah. at it. And they make it happen. I mean, you know. It does make sense, though, if someone served me a hot Casey's pizza and it sat there and I could just eat it at dark and safety, I'd only go there at night and eat that Casey's pizza. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's the thing, too, is with warmer weather like this, seeing as how it's not going to be, like, supernatural, I'm going to say with the warmer temp, it's going to be. It's going to be harder on you. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's going to be hard. Because he's going to lay um, up. It hits dark. It's like, cool, man. I'm going to go eat that Casey's pizza. Yeah, and he just yeah. strolls his fat ass over there and beds down and eats it while he's bedding. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, the thing is, too, is a lot of guys, I think where a lot of guys mess up on the, on the baiting is they they put a pile out and, and they, they put one stand and they hunt that, that tree no matter the wind, no matter the thermals, no matter, it, it doesn't matter. I'm hunting this stand. I'm hunting over this corn. I mean, dude, you get one mature doe to bust you one time over that pile. Every time she comes in, guarantee you, every time from that night on when she comes in, she will be watching that tree and watching that spot because she knows that corn pile was a – I mean, that's what I'm saying, like – you know, during this late season phase, I mean, you really got to be touching if you're going to mess with something like that. Can it work? Absolutely. Like I said, I mean, I've got guys, I've got buddies, I know people that do. That is how they kill big bucks every year. That's the only way they do it. I mean, they're, that's that's just that's their game. Mm-hmm. But it's a very intricate system. And I mean, this year with the warm weather, man, I I don't know. I mean, let, let me ask you, you this, Clint. Since you can bait in your state, are you if they left it up to you, hey Clint, we're gonna make this this law for 2019. Your pick: keep baiting or take it away. Take it, take it away. I thought that I would get that answer, but I just I had to ask. Yep, take, take it away, and and not because I'm not because I'm against baiting, but 
what I don't like is a lot of people don't understand this. Um, baiting with corn constant is not good for a deer. Deer have a deer have a hard time in general digesting corn. A lot of people don't realize this, but and especially. Okay, well, if we ain't so nothing but corn. Our shit would look the same as the deer's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the the thing with it is, is from a from like a nutritional standpoint, corn. When you start feeding it, let's say season opens up September 30th. A lot of guys in this state on September 1st they'll start dumping 300 pounds of corn every week. They will condition a buck in early season to hit this corn in daylight before he heads off to a bigger field somewhere. Like, so, you know, they'll find a good transition zone. They're dumping corn once a week, cameras over it. The minute that they kill their buck, they're done baiting. No more corn. So now all these deer who have now been eating corn for a month, their stomach, they no longer get corn. Like, like let's say there's no corn in that area. So now no longer do they get that. Same thing in late season. These deer are relying on a guy's corn pile. For three months, he's been baiting, baiting. Finally, he kills his buck on January 13th and says, okay, I killed my buck. That's it. I'm done. Now there's no more corn. And these deer have, like, their, their stomachs have been slaved to this. It's just, it's, hmm. it's just not, it's just, it's not good for them. That's I mean, like eating, nutritional, that's like eating steak not, and then switching to vegetarian the next day. Yeah, I mean. Damn, it, I never it, thought it, of it that way. I haven't either. No, it's, it's not. And, and if you, if you look up online, like, um. I don't know who the heck was it. I want to say it was the late, the uh, the late great um, Charles Alzheimer. He did a couple a couple stories about it, and I know um, I want to say Gary Clancy's done some stuff. I mean, there's been a couple big time whitetail writers that have done some some research studies and done a bunch of stuff on corn and baiting. And I mean, like I said, for the guy that baits you around and dumps some corn, dumps mineral, does all that, hey, I'm, I'm cool with that. Like, I mean, all right, but I just hate to see guys that just dump a pile for a month and then the minute, see, the minute they kill their buck, that's it, they're done. And like, you condition these deer to eat corn, eat corn, eat corn, eat corn, and then you totally take it away from them. And like I said, corn is not that great digestively for a, a whitetail anyway. It's just not. So, I mean, so for me, you know, I mean, it's, and he, here's the other side. The other side is, let's say Kurt owns 20 acres and he's got wow. five neighbors around him. If all five of his neighbors are baiting, guess what? If Kurt doesn't bait, Kurt's not going to see any deer. Yeah. Because yeah. every deer, every deer will be heading to or going to that corn, whether it's before daylight or before it's dark, or at some point, they're going to be heading to that corn. So now if you're not riding a fence line and hunting a, a property edge, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. Because if you're the only guy who's not baiting, I mean, I've actually quit hunting some farms because of this. Because literally the neighbors were baiting so hardcore that it was either I had to start doing that myself, which I wasn't going to do, or flip side, I had to just basically throw the towel in there and move elsewhere and i mean mm -hmm. for me it's you know i mean it, it was it, it came down to that decision and i mean it's it's hard to get into a baiting war um i got a really good buddy who's a big i mean big time buck big time buck killer i mean he's he's probably got 20 25 pope and young's on the wall with his bow and he's running into this right now i mean he's got some dynamite farms but dude it is they're like he told me that like a month ago from one of his tree stands he could see 
three different properties with his with his uh, his binoculars. He counted six different corn piles from his tree stand on neighboring <laughs> That's absurd, properties. Man. Six different corn piles. Now, I'm how are you for supposed Illinois. to? Oh, yeah. I mean, how are you supposed to compete with that? I mean, if you're not baiting, why would any deer be coming? I mean, you know, this time of the year, especially if you're baiting, I mean, it's. Dude, if I was a I mean, farmer not, in Ohio, how can you I'd have my sieve and chaffer shut all the way down, and I'd be just mowing over corn. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just be yep. spreading corn out of the back. Just, yep. I'd have the rock trap open, just dropping cobs. <laughs> yep. Yep. But yeah, no. I mean, like I said, I mean, I'm not against it or fool. I mean, hey, whatever, man. I mean, you know, it, it's just like the crossbow compound thing. Hey, if you want to use crossbow, great. Like, you wanna, I mean, what, whatever. We can. Yeah, I'm cool. In Illinois, Austin, you probably know this more than anyone here. You can't mow corn in Illinois, can you? As far as I know, you can, but I... Okay, maybe maybe as if you have it in the CR... Oh, I don't no, know the rules. So, it's really weird. It breaks it out to waterfowl. You can't mow corn for waterfowl. Oh, really? I looked it up because we had one podcast and we talked about it. And, uh, yeah, it was... It's it because was, of it's what waterfowl. the waterfowl will... Well, I mean, it's baiting for waterfowl. Which, oh, I don't know. It's weird. Yep. It's, it's I, I think there's something like that in Iowa too. If you leave up standing corn, you can't mow it down. Really? Or standing beans? Yeah, you can't yeah. go in there with like a mower, like yeah, a bat wing or something, and mow it down. In yeah. Ohio, you could because what the hell, right? You can bait. Well, yeah, oh, you bait, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there, there's lots of guys that leave standing beans and corn, and come January first, they mow half of it down. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean they're. They are planning it specifically for deer. You know what I've also heard guys do, and and uh, I, I knew a, guy, a farmer. Uh, I worked for deer. It was a guy that we were his place we were working at. I have nothing to do with hunting this property. Just to be clear. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I just I'm there talking to him. I seen some blinds I had set up, and they had this little corn, couple acre corn plot, you know, surrounded by woods. Like, oh yeah, we just drive over it with the tractor at the end of the year, and them deer love that corn when it's laid down like that. And, oh, yeah. and yep. they're not. I'm, I'm sure what they're doing. I, maybe it's illegal. I don't I, know. I, well, but they're not understand. mowing it. Yeah, I would say I don't understand. So they just drive way. over it. I mean, you have a food plot, but then you can't just mow it. I mean, the food's still there. Yeah, it's it not adding. Yeah, well, I don't and, know. And with standing corn, I mean, it's on the stock or it's on the ground. What the hell's the difference? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Which I don't know if there's a gray area where like, well, how do we know if you don't just dump bags of corn then? In your mowed corn, yeah, right. It's a debate. Yeah. It's a debate not to well, get into right it's now. It's such I guess. a gray area that, yeah, yeah. It's- and that, that's that's kind of how it is in Ohio. Like, like I said, I'm not for it or against it because I mean, I mean, I've used them. I've I've, I've hunted on them. I mean, I've, I've I've tried to play that game just to like just to see. And honestly, I think a lot of guys don't realize this, but corn piles like in your head it makes sense like oh this will be easy i just dump corn a big buck shows up i kill it but honestly in my opinion and this is just me i think you educate and i think you run more bucks off by doing by by baiting the 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 typical mainstream way of just dumping a pile of corn on the edge of a field and putting a stand and a camera over it I think you educate more mature deer, does yeah. and bucks than you're ever going to actually shoot or potentially have yeah. chances at. Well, now, yeah, because if you're, that's your tactic, you're walking around like a jackass on everything and touching everything and going yeah, well, in on whatever I mean, wind. And you know, I mean, let's, I just, let's get off I, the bait thing. I'm kind of over <laughs> this whole bait. It doesn't it. It bums me out a little, but so thank yep. you, Cody Schaefer, for starting that uh, debacle. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate your, your question, though, man. Good luck to you. Um, 
I love that Tom Self says, oh, man, this ought to be interesting and jam-packed. And Clint responds, drop your red panties and hold on to your hat. It's about to get wild. <laughs> um, straight, out of, straight out of Conor McGregor's mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bust out the red panties. We've made it. Hey, I'm, um, I'm, we did it. <laughs> shout out to uh, Greg Godfrey. He's, he's uh, the man behind Tethered. One of the, one of the men behind Tethered. Uh, saddle hunting. Big shout out to them. I want to hear about Austin Chandler's big bucks, <laughs> which we're going to talk about the uh, the old saddle thing here. I want to, I do want to get to that, so don't let me jump past that. Okay, because um, we have your last big buck in studio right now. Um, Troy Naylor says I'm dying for some cold weather. It's awfully warm in Ohio this year, which everyone is going to agree. Um, Here's a question that's not late season hunting. Maybe we can just really just touch on this kind of quick without diving real, real deep. Kelly Dewey asks a uh, question. What's the furthest shot you feel comfortable taking in that big bucks from a tree stand? We'll just, uh, we'll start awesome. We'll start with you. Longest shot I would ever take. Um, if he's feeding, there's a 10 mile an hour wind to cover up noise and everything. And nobody's alert. I'd probably try a 70-yard shot on something that was feeding and the yeah. conditions were right. I, I'd be comfortable with a 70-yard shot on a deer. Assuming you put in your practice time right. for the yeah. listeners just yep. to cover that. But, okay, Ross? My longest is 55. Uh, 55, I laugh as I say that because I feel like I could do better. I practice longer. He's I, the I, long bomb king. This guy can shoot at 80 all day yeah. long. Ross is, too. <laughs> I practice at 80. I should practice at the 100, but I, I practice at 80 and feel – I it's totally different, man. When you're sitting, I don't care if can, you're sitting in a chair. I, can I cut you off real quick? Cut I'm, me off. I'm sorry. I had to be clear for our listeners out there. We shoot our bows a lot. Mm-hmm. And yep. Yep. we don't go out and try an 80-yard shot because we think we can just try it and yeah, it's no big right, deal. Right. We know the consequences of long-range shooting. Yep. They don't happen often. But they can happen if you put your homework in. We practice. Yep. I just had to make that make that clear. And so I practice really hard at eighty, and I have my two farthest shots. I killed a buck and I killed a doe at fifty five, and both of them felt good when I shot them. Uh, they, everything went went like I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Um, now fifty five is my longest. I have a buddy that his longest kill was one fifty five. Holy and shit. I thought, you know. With a bow? With they a bow. Pr- they practice at they, 150. They, these guys have won world records. So they're 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 <laughs> That's archery kings. It's insane. Uh, but, yeah, longest kill, 155. So, but now Holy you're going to, we're going to fire up some guys. Yeah, and some unethical yeah. questions. They're, yeah, there's going to, anyways, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm not going to worry about any of that. Because obviously the target can move, things can hey, happen. Those guys have been in the mainstream industry, been kicked off Under Armour, been kicked off Realtree. Yep. For making shots, I, I'm not going to yep. say their names, but so I know. I'm just going to leave that little thing I said out there, and you can think about it for a second, but don't ask any questions. So, anyway, uh, one one fifty five is a long bomb. I probably wouldn't do that myself, but you I, know how many guys I know that hunt out west that kill antelope at a hundred plus yards? Yeah, it's, it's more all, than people admit all day yep. long. 
Yep. And those guys practice. You don't do that shit without no, practice. So that's not an accident. No, but it's yeah. not an accident. Yeah. To go right. back to You're not tripping to a 100-yard shot. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but to go back to his question on how what what range would you feel comfortable? Well, I can tell you shooting flat-footed and shooting at a target is totally different than mm-hmm. sitting in a blind in a chair shooting at that range. So you got to practice every different form. Yep. Shoot on one knee, shoot on two knees. Yeah, um, I don't care. Shoot off your belly, whatever you got to do. Shoot off your back. I mean, you, you do some. <laughs> yeah. However, you're gonna hunt. However, you're gonna hunt, or whatever situation you're gonna be in. So uh, lately, we you know we've been sitting uh, in chairs in a blind. Okay, this question turned out more but, fun than I want. So we're gonna do everyone in the studio. Clint, what's your furthest shot you would take? Man, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's going to have to depend. I mean, there's a lot of factors, just like, you know, Ross and Austin said. Um, I mean, I shoot at 120 to 130 all year to make 70 and 80-yard shots simpler for me because I hunt so much out west. Um, yep. Longest longest whitetail I've shot is, memory serves me right, 76, 77 yards. Um, I've killed quite a few with that 50 to 60 range. So, I mean, but – conditions were right i had no wind um i had deer feeding um i didn't have many deer there you know no one knew i I mean so you know yeah i mean it it just goes back to what you're comfortable with and 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 just real quick to touch on shooting in general i mean you know it's all got to be within where you're confident like you know i mean this this might come off like cocky to some but it's just this is just my mentality like uh, it when I draw that bow back, if my dial goes to 110, if you're within 110 and I draw that bow back, I'm killing you. I mean, that's just, that's just, and, and, and I mean, and, and that's just, that's not, you gotta be you know, that way. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just, I mean, you can look at it, uh, a linebacker in football, uh, a shooting guard in the NBA, whatever. I mean, a shooter is a shooter. I mean, and, you know, your middle linebacker, there's no one in the world you can't tackle. So, I mean, for me, it's just a confidence thing of, you know, I know I can make those shots. If, if, if I can dial tape to it, I, I'm, I'm going to kill you. I mean, it just... That but feeling it, honestly changes the game for everything. Bohan, oh you, yeah. you have to be confident in anything yep. anything you do, even in life. If you're yeah. not yep. if you're not confident and sure of yourself, you're gonna fall on your face. Yeah, you yeah. can't you can't yeah. be asking questions. You got to be. <laughs> I'll, I'll touch on the shot thing, and we're spending more time on it than I wanted to, so I'll go quick. Up until last year, my furthest shot was 35 yards, and I've been bow hunting a long time. This year, I killed a doe at 60 yards, um, nice. and nice. I don't get those shots often. Um, I don't take them often. But it felt right, and I felt confident because I yep. practiced my fucking ass off this summer for elk <laughs> yep. hunting. Yep. I, for uh, for whitetail and elk, but in my head, I'm yep. going to kill an elk, and if he's out at 55 yards, I'm smoking. Yeah, you got to be oh, yeah. you got to be good at 80 yards when you go out west. Yeah, that's, yep. you got to be good. <clears throat> I got advice from my buddies. I'm going to try and go antelope hunting this year, um, and they said if you can't shoot 80 yards accurately, you're at a huge disadvantage already. And I'm oh, like, yeah. oh. Okay, I'm going to try and shoot 120, 130 yards this summer. So 80 feels yep. like 30 yards. Well, right. well, I've killed. I've I've went two for two in Montana the last two years, and I'll just I'll leave you with this. My close my my closest of the two was 86. Jesus. So. <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on from that. Um, Connor Wakefield asks. Uh, big shout out, Connor. Check out. Two episodes ago, 261, he was on. 
Um, yeah, good episode. Good episode. Some people wrote in and said that was the best episode we've ever recorded. Shout out to everyone on that episode and everyone we mentioned on that episode. <laughs> Podcast hunting is where it's at, baby. <laughs> right. um, he said uh, basically non-prevailing winds for your area. I'm assuming he wants to know how you would tackle that. Well, uh, Austin and I just talking on last night, Austin and I uh, sitting in the blind, 40 deer. And there's 40 deer in the field. And which is it's it's just, this field's stupid. I mean, there's always deer in there. But uh, we had we said when we got set down, man, it, we're gonna be fine as long as nobody gets right in that little pocket and they will catch us. If they catch us, we're screwed the whole night. And actually, I don't know, six, seven, eight different deer, three of them bucks, uh, busted us, but not busted us. We had that blind sealed up tight, and they smelled something. And every one of them licked their nose, stared right at the blind, couldn't figure it out, went back to feeding. So if you don't have a prevailing wind, if you can seal your scent up super tight, sometimes you can get away with stuff. We shouldn't have got away with what we did, but we did last night and ended up shooting a doe to clear the field. What if a guy has no chance of beating that wind? There's not Stay a- away from it. You just can't do nothing about you it. Just, no, I, you just you reposition. Just, hang, use saddle. terrain features. Use terrain features yeah. to your advantage. It's a good, it's a good advice. Yeah. That is good advice because that you can work around. And I'm assuming Connor's on some sort of public piece, which is why he's asking. Mm-hmm. Um, it does kind of paint you back into a corner. It does. A, yeah. little bat, a little bit. And it's, I mean, what do you do? It, you know, scent control is your best friend no matter what you're doing. And access, I mean, access and, and <laughs> exit, I mean, they they, they count yeah. big time this time of year. It's, it, I don't know, it gets Dude, really tough. ever since I changed the way I look at entry and exit, my buck signs have gone up dramatically. It yep. really has. Um, That's a tough question. What do you think, Clint, On a, if you just don't have the right winds for your area? I mean, late season, you know... <laughs> Deer are so sketchy from just, I mean, you know, they've been hunted archery, they've been hunted in the rut, they've been hunting in gun season, they've hunted muzzleloader season, rifle season. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you've got to be, it's, there's a fine line between pushing the envelope and getting to the point where you're just being stupid and, and completely blowing your chances. But I do think a lot of guys, though, forget thermals. And prevailing winds, yeah, I mean, like, okay, like, you know, the wind, the wind might be coming, okay, it's, it's an evening hunt, so your thermals are going to be, you know, are going to be falling. Um, so let's say a wind out of the north, but you're hunting at the top of a ravine or something. With those thermals, dude, I mean, chances are, I'll, I'll guarantee you're not going to have a, you're not going to have your scent because of your thermals blowing, you know, blowing south with that north wind. I'll guarantee, I mean, I just guarantee it. So, I mean, I think, if you use terrain to your advantage a little bit, you can kind of find some quirks maybe by using those thermals to your advantage to where, okay, yeah, I get it. Weather Channel says it's a south wind, but with thermals, especially on a night when there's not a ton of wind, I mean, you know, man, those, ever since I started hunting out west where thermals are like everything, thermals are so important. And, and I've taken that back to my whitetail stuff. And, man, there's a lot of times now that I hunt wings that I never would have hunted because I'm like, okay, I'm going into this spot judging off of what thermals are going to be doing on an evening hunt and the way the terrain lays. I should be able to make this work. And, man, nine times out of ten, I mean, usually it's not the same wind that they're calling for and you're actually okay. But if you would have went 
just off of what Weather Channel was saying, I'd never, I'd never went in there. So I mean, I would say you know definitely do a little bit of checking around while you're in there on some different spots and kind of play them thermals a little bit. I mean, I realize the the dominant wind. You know, if you got a 15 mile per hour wind, yeah, okay. Realistically, yeah, I mean, there's there's you know 15 20 mile an hour. If it says it's out of the north, it's pretty much out of the north. I mean, there there is there's not a whole lot you can do with that. But on nights where it's not real windy, man, them thermals, I mean, they can be real shifty where it might be out of the east or, you know, whatever, and, and it's calling for north, but thermals out of the east are fine. So, yeah. Well, that, and, that, and too, going back on that, like, weather app channel and stuff where the wind's always wrong, like, the best thing I ever did was I bought a weather station yep. for my house, and that, I mean, I look at that thing every morning to see the wind direction. It'll give you a barometric pressure. It yep. gives you everything right on contact. You don't have to worry about an app being wrong or nothing. But we're yep. getting we're getting fairly deep on on the strategy here with digging in deep, going yeah. in uh, and hunting a wind and and thermals and everything. But it really does play in. I mean, you got to watch that stuff if you want to be successful, especially mm-hmm. if you're on a big buck that you're confident yep. on. And that I don't know, Austin. I would say, I would say at that point. Most of us probably don't have a deer stand in that spot that you need to be in, according to the terrain and the thermals and everything. And Austin can, he, he just hunted and killed this big buck that's in the studio tonight um, out of a saddle. And I think saddle is probably your go-to on these run and gun, I get do, in the yep. tree. Uh, hang these and are bang. the thermals. Hang, hang bang. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, hang and bang. <laughs> Ross genuinely felt bad for saying run and gun. I really did. I saw it on your face. It redef- redefines hang and bang. I do want to. I want to get into that um, in some detail with you guys here because you guys are all big butt killers. Let's. Um, someone asked about deer drives. Let's 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 hit these, and then I want to touch into. We can close out whatever we haven't covered, yep. and then I want to do talk about your latest buck, Austin, and saddle hunting because. Um, it's an exciting topic and it's a controversial topic, but it's an effective form of hunting. Yep. Um, Timothy Stancliffe, Timothy, have you ever attempted a drive with your bow? I know it sounds silly, but every chance I've had with a flintlock, I feel like I would have an even better chance with a bow in late season drives. Um, personally, I have never done it with a bow i've i haven't done a deer drive since i was a little guy and like was just started and like oh i don't know what to do now the deer are moved let's drive them since so i didn't understand how deer moved i didn't yeah. understand like what i understand now um <clears throat> i tell you what if you want to be if you want to be good with a bow on a deer drive let the combine be your deer driver and <laughs> be, be good with the neighbors and if the neighbors call you and say there's a big buck in this last eight rows and we're we're finishing out the field uh, I've got a couple. Over there? I've got a couple of buddies that have killed some pretty good bucks uh, just off the end <laughs> rows of a cornfield. That is the best answer to that question. That I think I, I I didn't know I wanted to hear that, but when I heard it, it sounded right. Well, look, <laughs> at, look at look at Doug's mom. She was in the auger cart, and her dad was combining. She's like, "Hey, there's a big buck in here. Get ready!" And she's seen him come out, right, got out of the tractor, and shot him. Really? Yeah. Man. Yikes! Yep. <laughs> Savage, yeah. Savage. Damn, Doug's hunting right now. Hopefully, I mean they're not harvesting corn. Well, hopefully yeah. not. It's 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 like two, two, three, what, two and a half hours past dark. <laughs> yeah. I, I think not. he's done. Now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a full moon. It's a full moon. You don't need to worry. Clint, about what's your? Have you ever a deer drive guy? No, not a deer I drive mean, guy. I mean, growing 
growing up and still in shotgun season, I mean, that's, that's all my family does because I mean, I'm the only bow hunter. So, I mean, I've grown up doing deer drives. I've grown up, um, being part of, you know, orchestrated deer drives, but with a plan and a purpose. I mean, you know, it's not just run through the woods, banging pots and pans. I mean, it's a slow methodical, <laughs> you know, it's a slow methodical, um, uh, push, you know, I mean, and yeah. you're trying to get deer up and get deer to move, but you're not trying to make it to where they're There's, running for their lives. Yeah. But I mean, I know some guys, uh, personally that, I mean, they've killed some booners off of two and three man drives and basically going into a thicket where there's a saddle or there's a funnel where there's some type of pinch point that, that, that these deer are going to use as an escape route. They put the shooter there and then two guys come in from the back with, you know, the winds at their back. Um, so the deer are winding them as they're, as they're coming in. And it's it's just a very slow, methodical walk. It's through the it's world. more of a pressure push at that point. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a oh, light no, pressure yeah. push. Yep. Slow. And I mean, you know, hey, did we just make another term in the industry? A pressure push. Pressure push. <laughs> they're no longer deer drives. They're pressure pushes. Pressure a pressure push. Yeah, and I mean, you know, like I, I, I said, I mean, <laughs> making pressure pushing. Pressure pushing. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I've actually uh, I, I went like on. I went on a couple um, with some of my buddies back. I mean, it's been probably eight, nine years ago. We had some doe tags, and um, we did them just for fun. And, I mean, I, I killed two does doing this. I mean, just like, you know, I mean, one was at like 15 yards standing there looking back at the drivers. The other doe was at like 30 yards, and she was just slowly walking and, and kind of like trying to pick her way, like figure out, okay, you know, there's guys in the woods. What do I want to do? Where do I want to go? I mean, and like I said, I mean, you know, I've never killed a big buck doing it, but I've never actually tried to kill a big buck doing it. I've just done it with doe tags. But I know guys that legit have killed – I mean, I know a guy that's got a, a 183 on the wall yep. that legit was from a – they knew he was in this woodlot. He was not moving. It was last week of season. They said, screw it. Let, let, let's get five guys together and let, let's try to get him killed. And sure as shit, the guy that was on the saddle – I mean, he, I mean, he made a beeline for that saddle. He shot him at like 40 yards standing there looking back at the driver. I mean, it worked out picture perfect. I mean, yep. you know, it's crazy. not saying that I'm going to go round up 10 guys and, and, and that's how I'm going to start bow hunting big deer, but it is a last ditch effort. And here's the deal. It's fun. I mean, it's something different. Yeah, like, you're right. I think there's something I traditional a, about a deer driver. Yeah, deep oh, yeah, yeah, of deer yeah. because I mean, let's be honest. Pressure I mean, pushing. Way, yeah. Pressure <laughs> yeah. pushes. Christian and when you have all your relatives, from, and, yeah, it's your tradition. It's, it's a ritual thing. Yeah, it's the ritual, yeah. man. Way back, Honor it. Way back with the Indians, I mean, they were doing this shit. So I mean, it is kind of cool. Just push them off cliffs. Game. Fuck it. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> we'll just eat the tongue. It's fine. <laughs> it worked. Oh, it worked on buffalo. It worked on buffalo. We can do our whitetails. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm kidding. I don't want all the Native Americans writing in all mad at me. <laughs> yeah, just heard that's what they did. I don't know. You covered yourself just right <laughs> yeah. there. Very good. <laughs> if you take anything we say like that in that term serious, man, you got to find another podcast. Yeah. Um, now the 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 push is an interesting topic. Is there anything that we haven't covered that's super effective for late season? Are we are we good there? Well, we'll get into it when I talk about my book. But uh, there are still some young does coming into coming into the last cycle it's almost like the third cycle so ross talked about this was it last year or the year before ross something da- like that ross is dancing over there no um, i i was just 
You talked about the the other yes, cycles okay, of the rut. So phase yeah. one, phase so however you want to. Anyways, finish Austin. No, a, we'll get into it. But basically, when I shot this buck, there were four or five bucks on a couple does, and the one doe was hot. This buck was with her, and when she come out to feed, he decided to come around and and uh, touch up a couple scrapes and actually mm-hmm. shot this deer on a scrape like December 28th or 9th. So Damn, So dude. scrapes, yeah. what he's saying, scrapes yep. are hot right now. Mm-hmm. and Can be. Can, can be only, hot. Only hunt scrapes, yep. okay. Yep, yeah. only yeah. hunt scrapes. <laughs> no, if forget, got, forget the food. If Everything we a, say is the final word. If you've so. got a scrape that's been hit, you better yeah. be on it. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, I do. I agree with that. If you've got scrapes opened up right now, there's a reason why they're opened up. You better be there. So yep. what I want, let's transition now. I feel like we covered all that. Um, a lot of that has all been discussed before. Um, this podcast? On this podcast and almost every other podcast, but we're giving you like different insight. There's one question I wanted to bring up and then kind of answer it all at the same time because I know I'm going to get a, a message after this episode goes out if I don't bring this up and then give an answer to it. Yep. Is the guys that don't have the opportunity to hunt um, – a grain plot or any sort of food plot that are hunting like big timber mm-hmm. edges. And I'm sure right now with the warmer weather, if there's acorns, they're going to eat acorns. Um, they're going to feed on greens in the timber, that sort of thing. Um, I think if once it gets colder for those guys, and maybe you guys can correct me or maybe I'm fucking way wrong. I don't know. This is what I would do personally. If it's cold, cold weather, I grew up on a property that didn't have food on it, but the neighbors had food. When the weather gets cold like this, if I'm hustling out to late season, I'm getting as close as I can to that food, but trying to intercept them. And if you got to go in the afternoon, you're scared about bumping them. You just do the best you can with the wind and the terrain features and sit in to try and intercept them getting up to get curious from bed to food. Yep. It's all you can do at that point. That's right. Um, And, you know, they'll mill around. Mm-hmm. Deer eat bark, tree bark and yep. shit. And people don't know they do what? that, but they do it. Um. And you can get them doing that shit, too, on their way back to bed. Because they're not, like Clint said earlier, they're not going to eat just grain. They're yep, feeding on right. other stuff, too, in that mix as well. Right. right. And I talked earlier. Well, like I, Go ahead, Clint. Oh, no, no, no. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, like I talked earlier, I have beans, co- cut corn, and uh, winter wheat. Mm-hmm. And some uh, a lot of guys don't have that. I don't usually have that, but I do this year. So I've been able to watch these deer and watch them. Uh, according to the temperature and and lots of things, so I've I've learned a lot this year, uh, watching them. But um, say somebody only has cut corn, I'm going to go back to what you said, Kurt. And you know, if cut corn's the only grain that they have to eat, they're going to stay on the cut corn. I mean, mm-hmm. it, food is food to them right now. If they had a smorgasbord, they could pick and clean through yeah. what they want, but they don't always get that. So. Um, yeah, try to try to get in there and intercept them. So mm-hmm. you got to uh, adapt and overcome, essentially. Yeah. I'd say last year when I was hunting public, I mean, I was hunting shelter. I mean, shelter yeah. areas where it's a drop off or heavy heavy woods or whatever. I mean, if it's blocking that cold wind, I mean, I know it's not cold right now, but who knows what <laughs> normally it would have been. Yeah, yeah. who knows what'll happen next week? I mean, and that's really ba- on a basic shelter. level, like on on like a just. On the outside, that's you know using terrain features to your yeah. to your advantage because mm-hmm. terrain features are uh, they could be a funnel, could be the deer. It's forcing the deer down to a certain which is a yep. funnel. Um, but you know, cover, safety, 
that's why south facing slopes is where you find sheds yep you know it all adds up that's where the sun's hitting most of the day that's where they're getting their warmth that's where they're kind of re-energizing they're resting up there then they're hit wherever they're going from there to wherever the food is is in between there is where you want to be yep um, well, and touching on touching on south facing slopes it's funny you brought that up because that's what i was going to say if there's some properties that i've hunted and still do hunt where there's no egg for five six miles and i mean a south facing slopes a lot of guys forget you know it gets all the sun yep. and guys will say right now well you know yeah but right now it's warm i understand it's warm but that south facing slope gets more sun right now you've got green briars that's starting to get little little baby buds on them because of the, this warm you're going to have more green on that south facing slope because the sun hits it longer. And two, yep. it's a, a big old mature buck that's been run down. It's nice for him to take a big old nap on a south facing slope and have that sun hit him all day long, just because it just feels good on his body to begin with. And you know, going back to the shed thing, I mean, I'm sure you guys will probably attest to this too, because I know you guys are, are you know into finding big sheds like I am. Every year. Where I find a lot of my, you know, uh, a lot of my farms, a lot of my spots where I find the majority of my sheds, that is where my late season hunting always will be good every single year from, mm-hmm. you know, from year to year. <clears throat> and everyone says, oh, yeah, but it's because of food. It's because of this or because of that. Nine times out of ten, it has nothing to do with food. Yeah. It's because of there's a shitload of South Basin slope. There's good thickets. There's cricks and there's water for them to get to. It, there's there's terrain features that are getting them down out of the wind, down out of the weather, down out of the snow. I mean, there's there's more to it. Food is important, absolutely, but there's more to that science than just feed. And for guys that can't hunt feed or they can't even get close to feed, you know, if I had one tip, I'm going to tell you go to a south-facing slope and start scouting there and see what you run into. I guarantee you're going to find bad. You're going to find a, a bunch of deer sign in general, and, mm-hmm. and that's where I would focus, you know, my attention would be trying to catch deer going to and from bedding areas on south-facing slopes. If there's no, you know, if you're a guy that there's no ag, there's no crops around, you're just hunting big woods, south-facing slopes, I mean, that's that's where it's at. And most of those bigger, mature deer, uh, what I've seen in the past, 90% of the time, they stay in their safe zone. So yeah, they're, for sure. they're not going to leave and go a mile and a half or three miles away just, uh, for the fuck just to it. look <laughs> just to look for food. They're they're just yep. going to be happy with what they got and yeah. stay in their safe zone. Mm-hmm. Survival, so, man. Yeah. I mean, so a south-facing hillside, like Clint said, and that's their area. If they don't have any food, they're just going to sit there and be like, well, shit, can't wait till next year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, and drop their sheds and you pick them up and, and they're staying in their area. I mean, I... I I don't know. I for me, I'm going to I'm going to stick to my guns and say there's there's not a chance you're going to get uh, a a mature deer, I don't care what size he is, to leave and go somewhere he's not used to just because there's a food plot a mile and a half away. Yeah. I mean, he he hits his boundaries and you may hit those you may get pictures of him on his boundaries and he disappears and sometimes in the full rut they 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 maybe Go right outside. The only thing that's pulling them that way is pussy. But, but, but they're not going far. I mean, they may they may range outside of that zone. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go right back to saying that they know where their home is. Right. And and For it's sure. crazy that neighbors on both sides of me will. I'm right in the middle. Say I get pictures on my one half that 
there are um, a certain deer coming on that one half. I never get pictures of the other other half on that side. So I, I, I'm going to say the home, the safe zone, the home zone for these big bucks. I, I'm a big believer in that. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I think everybody could would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I, I think we we've. We beat that in. I think we covered everything that needs to be covered. If we miss something, let us know. Um, one thing I want to transition to now is uh, saddle hunting because it applies directly to this buck that's on the studio table right now. Um, awesome buck. Congrats, Austin. Thank you. Appreciate you that. You closed the season out in very classy fashion. Um so yeah, just congrats. You've had a hell of a season. I appreciate it, man. It has. It's been a. It's been a long, tough season. Probably my longest season, but uh, I got rewarded in the end. So yeah. I'm super, super grateful for that. Hey, you don't trip into them, man. And I don't know if anyone ever ever told you that, but <laughs> <laughs> I definitely didn't on this one. But uh, didn't have to put the effort in on this deer as much as the first one I killed this year. <laughs> but um, yeah, this deer. He uh, thing he, is, I think though, even though you say that. You just weren't after this deer in particular. You still put all that effort, right? In, you know, I, I wasn't targeting this deer and didn't have as many hours on this deer as I did on my first one. But uh, man, I I hunted a lot, and I was hunting that big deer early, that big drop tine deer early, and I was hunting other farms, and I just wasn't getting pictures, and I wasn't seeing the caliber of deer that I was after. So when this deer did show up on my new farm, I was pretty excited, and. Uh, didn't get to get a lot of pictures of him. You want me to just go ahead and go into the story on him? or Yeah, you can. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, do that. Might as well. I, I do want yeah. to talk about the saddle stuff. That's where I'm yeah. wanting to go. But, yeah, I do. Yeah, because we had a ton of people messaging. I hope Austin's going to be back in to tell the story on this buck. <laughs> I, I won't make it an hour long story. We'll condense hey, it up. You tell it how you got to tell honestly, it, Honestly, it's not going to be as long of a story. Hey, you know what's cool? This is our show. We can record for as long as all we right. want to. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, this deer, I'd only gotten three pictures of him all season. So... He wasn't, like, a, a regular on the farm. Um, like, November 13th was the first picture I got of him. And as soon as I seen him, like, man, that's, like, my, my first instinct was that's a shooter. Like, I, I would shoot that deer. So I got excited, but he never showed up again. It was December. November 13th? November 13th was the first picture, and it was, like, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. It was actually the same day I had a really good encounter with the drop tine deer, like, a mile north of this farm. Okay. So I was close to the same area but it was december 15th oh damn a over month, a month a month later before i got another picture of this deer and when i got that picture i'm like all right it's getting we're transitioning to that late season if i'm getting a picture of him he's probably staying pretty close to my food that i've got this cut cornfield right here yeah. so i'm gonna go ahead and get a cell camera going and there was a fresh scrape that had just been freshened up that day so i'm like maybe he's the culprit you know he could be mm-hmm. the one using it so it took a little while. It was, um, let's see, December 28th, I think, is the day that I shot him. And that was the, fir- that was the first cell camera picture that I got of him. Uh, 5.30 in the morning, he comes. The same day. Same day. He, he trips that camera, and it sends me a picture. I'm like, all right, now's my time to go in. I'm going to go try to get a look at this deer. So... I decide I'm going to use my saddle. I'm going to get close to the edge of this field. Um, I go in, I get set up, and about 4 o'clock, quarter after 4, somewhere in there, I see a bunch of white flags coming at me. And my truck is on, like, the opposite side of where this wind's coming at them. So I'm like, well, maybe they picked up my truck. You know, maybe they're running away from my truck. Mm -hmm. 
so this deer and he's in the group like i'm i pull, pulled my knocks up i can see it's him coming at me yeah so i pull him up i can see it's him and he beds down like 80 yards right in front of me i'm like well they're well, i've shot deer at 80 yards <laughs> <laughs> they're running with their flags up and then he just pops down like flag up to sitting down right in front of me never That's seen bizarre. anything like it it's kind of weird so i'm like all right it wasn't the truck kind of goes back to a couple episodes ago with clint and you guys security and bedding yeah they know farm, it works for them so this, maybe thought this farm is wicked thick it's really good bedding so he beds down in front of me and then i look down and here's the coyote so i'm like all right now i know what's going on so this coyote's coming in he's coming under me i'm like this deer by then had gotten back up and was kind of moving back into the thicker stuff i'm like i should probably shoot this damn coyote so he's not messing me up right so out of my saddle i'm kind of inexperienced when it comes to shooting off my weak side so i'm i'm right-handed so i'm pulling back kind of on my right side and it's tough i'm shooting almost 70 pounds and i get it back to i'm like an inch back from my draw and i'm trying and trying and it finally locks in mm-hmm. and the coyote catches that when i lock in oh the, the jolt yep so he catches it and he backs out and he goes right back the same way he came from so i had intent every intention of shooting that coyote mm-hmm. but it just didn't happen like anyone would yeah and so i'm like well he's the the buck's not alert because i can still see out of the group of five or six deer i can still see off in the distance i can see him milling around Mm -hmm. so i wait wait. it's getting i'm echoing now yeah clint we got an echo on your end brother we good yeah we're good all right so yeah we're good for now we'll see how it ends up (laughs) (laughs) so the little doe that i'm assuming is the one that's hot she comes out to feed and right behind her is this deer and it's getting really dark i've got maybe five to ten minutes of shooting light left and it's a cloudy day anyways the wind's blowing 20 some miles an hour and i'm i just know that it's going to be kind of crappy tactic cam footage if i do get a shot at him yeah well she goes out to feed and to my surprise he kind of breaks away from her and he's walking back towards me and he starts hitting a scrape and he hit that scrape and after he had that one, he come to me, and I, I didn't know it at the time, but right down on the edge of the field, 25 yards from me, there's a scrape right there that he had been hitting. And he come <laughs> in, and he's like a beeline right for me. And he walks right up to that scrape, and he's working that scrape, got his antlers up in it, putting no his scent on it. And I, December 28th. Yep. And I had a shot through a bunch of thick stuff, and I'm like, well, I can take the shot, or he's probably going to go back towards the doe after he works this scrape. So I... I took a shot, launched it through the through the thick stuff, and hit him high, spined him basically. I don't know if I let the shot off a little high or he, I hit Ducked something or what, but for whatever reason, I hit him high. So I had to climb back down, put another arrow on him to finish him, but I did get tactic cam footage of it. It's pretty cool. I'll have to Is show it? you that sometime, yeah. but it's kind of dark and grainy, but... You can tell it's him. It's pretty wicked, but that's awesome, man. Yeah, he's an awesome eight point man. We're all about the big eights. Yeah, they gave it the split brow. Yep, nineteen inch spread. Um, Not real tall tines. Nine inches basically on twos and threes all the way around. Twenty four threes look bigger than that. Yeah, right at nine and nine and five eighths was his tallest tine. Twenty four inch beams, five and an eighth bases. Good good beams, good bases. Yeah, when I looked at him, I I'm like I've passed several four year old bucks, and this deer to me looks like a five-year-old deer so whether he was four or five i can't say for sure never had any prior history being my first year hunting my new farm but my rule of thumb 
generally, from my experience of measuring a lot of whitetails, I've measured, I, I wouldn't even know how to guess how many whitetails I've, I've measured, a thousand of them. And that's, a lot of them are probably non-gun kills too, because I measured, when I first started, I measured everything I could measure. In, in, to have a deer with a big frame, big frame, like where you're like, whoa, it's a good buck. Mm-hmm. 24 inch beams and up is where that point starts. Yep. There's some deer that'll trick you that have just under 24 inch beams that you think they're that big. And, you know, 20, I've seen deer that look, have 20 inch beams still look big. I've seen deer in that mid-range between 20 and 24 that still look big. 24 generally is that number that makes a deer like, whoa, shooter. Yep. The beams is where it's at because that's what's giving him his shape. Right. You know, or, you know, his frame. Yeah. His base. Yeah. Yep. His you base. Call it. The foundation. Foundation, yes. out. But, well, uh, he was he was good stud. enough. He ended up going like 146, 147, it's somewhere in there as an eight-pointer. That's, that's good it's enough stud. for me, especially with the season I've had. You know, that other than that drop-tine deer – this is the best deer that I've got to see. So yeah, I was uh, very pleased to be he's, able to put a tag on him. He's a stud, man. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you got him here. We'll get some photos of him on the studio table. Put him on. Put him on the working class bow hunter gram tonight. <laughs> nice. Um, so you brought up saddle hunting, um, Greg, one of our buddies and a listener from Tethered uh, Saddle Hunting. Um, saddle hunting is a type of thing where, and we're late in this episode, but I do want to touch on it. It's it's when I first saw it online. I think Cameron was like, yep. I, I kind of knew about it, but I never looked into it. And Cameron was like, we, me and Cameron work together. And Cameron one day is like, hey, check out this video on YouTube. This is saddle hunting. And I'm watching. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen this, but I never like researched it. Yeah. So then we started really diving into the research of it, and I'm like, man, it's awesome. Like it would be super effective, but I have like a ton of concerns about it. It kind of seems like a bunch of nerds. Really, just like yeah. I said this before, and <laughs> it's kind of a trendy thing right now. There's it's a lot trendy. of there's a lot of guys getting into it, and but people shit on it hard at the same time because yeah. I posted that video of me in my yard in the saddle farting around with it, and I got messages like that thing looks stupid. It's like, well, mm-hmm. I'm not a real it looks. But. I'm not a real trendy person. I don't get into trends, but when I seen guys doing this, and I got to talk to a couple of our friends that have been saddle hunting for years, and they're like. I, I look up to these guys. They're serious, big deer yeah. killers. And they said it will it will literally change the way you hunt these big deer. So I had to try one, and I've been very impressed. I really like how quiet it is. You don't have to carry a stand-in with yeah. you. I literally carry everything that I need to hunt. It's going to sound gay, but I bring a little fanny pack in with hey, me. Hey, fanny packs are convenient. I son. throw in 10, <laughs> 10 or 12 pegs, my bow rope, a saw, and and a bow hanger, and I and I go in, I wear the saddle in, it's super light, super quiet, and mm-hmm. it's, I really do, I really like it. I say it's got to be the lightest setup you have. It is, for sure. So wh- I talked to Greg, um, and I knew they were doing this tethered saddle brand. They're, this was coming out, it was getting launched. They were doing like a pre-order deal. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't that looking that far into it when they were doing this. Talked to Greg about it, and uh, we're going to try and meet up at ATA and try and get, get a podcast done. So that'll be coming, hopefully. Um, if, if schedules align and all that good shit, ATA is busy, but, um, talk to him. He sent us a couple systems, saddle setups, the, the full shebang. And I've farted around with it in the tree a little. I got to say, I really like the way it feels. And I mm-hmm. think I would, also, I've, I was, I would have hunted out of a thousand times right now. If I still had a buck tag, um, my plan is this weekend to hunt out of it and try and kill a doe before ATA. I really like it. I think next year it's going to fucking up my hanging bang skills. And if I thought I wasn't all all over the place before, I'm going to be in the 
it, I, where I want to be, I'll be there. Yep. With no second thoughts about it. Like, oh, I got to move a stand. I got to get a stand. Nope, I'll be in that yep. tree. Yeah. I logged a lot of hours in it. I bet I spent 30 or 40% of my season in the saddle this year. Yeah, you were after it. Yep. Clint, have you ever even thought about saddle hunting? What's your kind of thoughts on it? I've looked at it a little bit. Um, I've never really played with one. Um, you got to talk to Greg, I'm a, I mean, I, mean, I want to, you know... I, I want to do something. I mean, now that I'm writing full time for Petersons, I know I know they've. I, I don't know who, but I know they've got some, some stuff with paddles going on over there. So I'm sure it's going to be something that you know I'm going to get to, to do like a custom with and, and play with and, and whatnot. Um, it would fit into kind of my arsenal because I mean, there's a lot of you know, <laughs> there's a lot. Of, I got a lot of buddies that are like, dude, you can't get a you know, you, you can't hunt out of that tree, and I'm like, oh yeah, me and my with me and my three or four sticks and my little lone wolf assault, we'll get up there. So, I mean, it's been a, you know, I'm notorious for being in trees that I shouldn't be in with Dan, so I'm sure this is going to be right up the same alley. I mean, trees that I shouldn't Mm -hmm. really be in that you're going to be in. So, Well, everyone on the podcast right now has the mindset of, like, you don't kill deer consistently being lazy. So all of us have the means, like, yeah, you gotta hit. If you want to move, you're gonna have to put some sort of climbing method to get up. Well, I was real questionable about it too until this late season. You didn't me. have an interest, man. Well, I talked I to did, you earlier. And I didn't, and then I texted you about it. I'm like, dude, I I could really use one of these in Burlington because late season yeah. and like I'm moving around so much and moving stands. I'm like, this is a pain in the ass. I'm like, it'd be awesome yeah. to have. Well, I feel like we should talk about this a little bit because this brings like the realness and the honesty of it. Because well, I was talking to Greg about getting a couple uh, setups. Right. It's like, Eric, are you, are you interested? And you're like, not really. I'm like, not really. I'd like to try one, but I'm not really interested. And then this late season, you know, after Austin's success and everything's like so easy to move around. Well, in late season, I've been moving around so much and like. I have been going late muzzleloader, so most yeah. times just sitting on the ground, or I'll take a stand with me. I'm like, but yeah, to but, add to like give you credit, like you're also not scared. Like you'll throw a lone wolf up just to hunt out of it one night. Oh, for sure. Like you're and, that type and of rip bow it, and rip it down and take it back to the truck with me. Yeah, like, I that's care. how you and Doug hunt on the managed property. Yeah, you guys are that's on. how we yeah, do yeah, it. You'll all love the time. this, man. So yeah. so yeah. light, so yeah. a lot less effort look, than a look stand. It. I got, I have the tethered system sitting, and they're not a sponsor. They really, they really are not a sponsor. I'm holding right now in my hands, and I'll drink a beer while I hold it. I have I have the whole saddle system in the bag, held straight up above my head, and I'm gonna take a drink of beer at the same time. It's I bet you it weighs eight pounds, dude. Not <laughs> even yeah, three. Yeah, feel that? That's the I have you, the whole everything. You, yeah, you, wear, you wear it in, and you literally oh, yeah. feel you feel a regular harness more than you feel that saddle yeah. wearing that yeah. saddle. In. And it looks this funky tethered, when you wear it, but and, and with this tethered setup, they have a platform that you can stand on. I got is it, dude. Right? It is okay. fucking the dude. It is so badass. The yeah. original tree saddle is what I've been in, and we put three pegs in the tree, so you can actually run around that tree 360 degrees so yeah, you feel yeah. like a monkey but then again if you so when you get the saddle on you get up in the tree you want like maximum 10 inch tree because that you're going to straddle that tree the whole time you're there yeah okay so when you relax you sit in the saddle and it's just like sitting in a big old fancy diaper but you sit there <laughs> and and you're completely relaxed and you can and, and but when the deer comes along or you want to reposition it's a diaper your, hammock your feet you can you're right there on the pegs or close to and you can stand up and you kind of just push can, up with your feet you can swing around up. the tree yep. and get in any position you need to if that buck 
which 90% of the time when you think they're going to come to a certain shooting lane, they're mm-hmm. not. They're going to come somewhere else. So with the saddle uh, or tethered, you can rotate around that tree any direction you need to go. Well, so. see, and this is where I came in on it, too, when I texted Kurt about it, because I was sitting on the ground, late muzzleloader hunting. I was just like, I'm going to go over here. They've been coming out here. I'm like, shit, fuck it. I'm going to go sit on the ground. And sure as shit, those five or six bucks come right behind me, 10 yards, and I'm kind of doing one of these things, you know, where you turn around and kind of look down the corner of your eye, and they are they have no idea I'm there, but there's nothing I can do about it at this point Yep. until they come out in the field, you know, mm-hmm. and then when they come out in the field, it's obviously too late. And I would say the biggest the biggest thing to to worry about uh, if gonna if you're gonna hunt out of a saddle would be make sure you have plenty of trees surrounding you uh, before you get up and swing from a tree because deer can silhouette you just right. That now. was my so, biggest her. concern with when I first started looking into it. That and uh, stealth of draw, yeah, um, yep. was another one. Um, I think from what I don't have a lot of experience in a saddle. But I think the advantage to that comes if you have a small tree, you straddle it a little bit between your legs, and that tucks you tight to the tree. Yep. And if you can get down the, the push-out-and-draw setup, and if your tree's bigger to where you're not going to straddle it, you can almost sit sideways next to it and kind of use your saddle as the seat and get comfy. Uh, I think there's a, a lot, but that was my concern. Shooting and drawing. Um, yeah, drawing and, and the silhouette of your body being awkwardly hanging take, off it. I think it's going to take a lot of time and practice and, and well, experience with it to figure out the right way to do it. Just, but. And just like hanging a hang on, like, what tree do I get into? Like, I can I can tuck in there. Right. And that's what I was going to say, too. This has got to be something you guys are going to add to your arsenal of practice this summer. Yeah. yeah Shooting out true. of a saddle. You know, if you got a tree in your yard. It's yeah. just another, you know what? It's probably not going to be my go-to every time I go to the tree. I would rather hunt out of a lone wolf. I'll all share day my long. saddle with you. Sure. But if you can have that, and you know, there's going to be times like we talked earlier in this episode. Is uh, there a double saddle? About thermal. You can sit on my places. lap, bro. <laughs> right, I got it. <laughs> and places that you want to get to that you don't have a set, you know, that's your go-to in your arsenal. So, right. you know, and, and if you've got yeah. practice with it over the summer, you know, you're. And that's my go-to right now is a yep. lone wolf and three sticks. You know, just pack yep. it in, put it up, and be done. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna peg uh, Greg down at ATM, hoping that that works out. Because I know Austin, you you and him are gonna hit it off after yeah, your love, season. Love to talk to him. Um, G two outdoors is his YouTube channel. Awesome yep. guy. He's a um, he's a veteran, or if he's not a veteran, he's a hundred percent a military man. Um, big shout out to him. He dude, he was one of the nicest guys we got to get him on to. for sure. Yeah, oh, dude, yeah, yeah, that's gotta happen. He's an awesome guy. Yeah. And by um, the, hold on, by the way. I'm a bigger guy, and I was in a saddle, and I've I've listened to a few YouTube videos and stuff, and they say bigger guys, it might not be comfortable. It's a bunch of bullshit. Well, tethered offers different sizes. Yeah, it's different sizes, but it doesn't matter. I mean, all it is is just a, a hammock. It's a hammock. Yeah. It's a I hunting mean, a hammock. butt hammock. And you're, yeah. still, and you're still comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was sitting there, and I was swinging 360. I mean, my feet weren't even on the platform. I just was trying it out. Well, I mean, know, the Cam- damn thing's strong. Cameron, you're kind of like... I, I don't take this in offensive. I'm offended. <laughs> He's already <laughs> offended. You haven't said anything. <laughs> but, but reel me out. He- hear me out here. You are a bigger guy, but you carry your, like you're also an active bigger guy. Yeah, yeah. So you are kind of like the perfect dude to say like, hey, if you're bigger, like you hunt out of hang ons exclusively. Yeah. Oh yeah. You do. Yeah. And I don't. Like, I don't touch a ladder anymore. And I talk to a <laughs> lot of, but you're not like, you're not sloppy big. That's the thing. No, That's yeah. a different. There's a lot of big guys I know that are like, I'm scared to get in the hang on. Yep. I'm scared of doing yep. that. And you're the guy 
that I think you're kind of like that that role model to big guys that are hunting out of hang-ons and doing like the hang and bang, the mobile setups, because you just get the stand. If you're big, big, get the stand you're rated for and work at it. Yeah. Because yeah. if just anything, one, it's it. a workout, and two, it's it's a better way of hunting. Just get in it. The most, like, bigger guys, it's like, oh, God, it's going to break or whatever. It's like, no, you're just not comfortable. It's sitting the damn thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to get comfortable. Right. It's a 6,000 pound strap. Sit in it. Yeah. The yeah, steel's not going to crack. Throw an extra exactly. ratchet strap on there. You'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The cables I mean, are ready for 10,000 pounds. Sit was, in it, Jerry. I was, saying, I was looking at the saddle. I mean, it's like nylon ropes. I mean, the and they're rated to like 5,000 pounds. Yeah. They're like picking up like skid steers with them. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Some like, of the wild body. edge stands they hung like, yeah. up, uh, like, uh, yeah, like a skid steer, or like put an excavator bucket on it. Yeah, <laughs> that shit. It's yeah like, I mean, no, you're fine. Just try it. You just got to go for it. Yeah. I can't say that I ever felt unsafe in it on a, all the times I've used yeah. it. Yeah, you know, I saw videos online of guys like purposely trying to fall out of it, and I set it up with uh, Inc., our buddy yeah. Tyler Ringholm, and we set it up out in my yard, and I had it on. And I'm like, it does. You don't have any like upper. It doesn't. There's no shoulder straps, mm-hmm. so I'm like, hey. I'm going to try and fall out of this thing, like, catch my skull because it bounces off the ground. <laughs> and I, like, leaned back like an idiot. Like, I full-blown went limp. Leaned back, straddled the trees, threw my legs up. You can't fall out of it. No. I tried. I was upside down, like, oh, shit, holding on to the bridge, which is a strap that attaches you to the tree. And I'm like, oh, I had to use that to sit myself back up. I was yeah. So it's your safety harness and tree stand all in one unit. Yep. Yeah, you don't wear your yeah. like you wear your lineman's belt up yeah. as you're popping your climbing sticks, your pegs in or whatever, and while you're hooked in with your lineman's belt, you put your your other strap on yep. and you hook into that and then you take your lineman's belt off so you're attached to the tree the whole time. Super yep. safe. System. One of yeah. one of my it's things insane. that I've been worried about thinking about sitting in a saddle even in this late season, uh say we got some cold weather, but um <laughs> going into this season and, and really cold, you're gonna want to you're gonna to want to dress up pretty thick. So yeah. I wondered about being in a saddle with thick clothing on. Mm. How that's going to change things concern. too? Yeah. So I, I haven't had any experience at that, but I, I it's, it's a thought in the back of my mind. Yeah. Like, no, that's a, that's sure. a valid concern. Yeah. yeah. I've wore it with my heaviest stuff, and I've got along fine with it. Really? Okay. Yeah. It, it's um, whether guys like the trend or dislike it, it's something to consider. Yeah. Yep. Because oh, for sure. I think. This next coming season, the 2019 bow season coming into September, October, whenever your bow season starts, guys are going to be hammering the woods with saddles. And if you're... Public land. If you like to be mobile or you're a public (laughs) land hunter, I would consider it a must. Yeah. See, I was totally. Yeah. I wasn't against it, but I was yeah. like, eh, I just not. You, just, you just weren't interested. I was, no, I was not interested at all. Now I'm like, okay, this would be something I'm interested in yeah. for which is, sure now. Which is fair, because I was there with you. I was. Right. It really was. Um, and I think I think most guys, I put a poll up of that video of me sitting in that saddle. Did you see that mm-hmm. in my yard? I put a poll up, would you hunt out of a saddle? And it was more of a no than I expected. Mm-hmm. And I think guys just don't know about it. And it, Well, I think, I think, too, it's so new. I mean, when tree stands first came out, they had been like, whoa. What the yeah. hell is this? If I, if I hadn't have talked to two guys that had years of experience in them and got to talk to them about it, I would have been a lot more leery than I was. Yeah. Right. But after talking to those guys, they're like, get one, try it. You're going to love it. And I did. You, you know, all of that, everything we said about saddles, I still, I'm not surprised by the uh, naysays. Yeah, the naysays and just like the doubt of it or just the. Right. Um, 
Yeah, the naysay is like the best way to put it because most people, hardcore guys do, but the majority of deer hunters don't even hunt out of hang-ons yet. Right. Yeah. So that's why the idea right. of a saddle is like, what? Whoa. What? You're hunting out of that? Blah, 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 blah. You know, like, that. I get it, though. I get yeah. it. I well, guess. maybe Ross can answer this better, too, but isn't that kind of the same setup like linemen use? Yep. Like yep. on high line very, stuff? Very similar. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's basically a lineman's belt, only you got a nice little diaper to sit in. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a hammock. I mean, it's it, whatever yeah. you want to call it. I don't care what you call it, but... It's you can actually relax where when you're in a lineman's belt climbing up a pole or you're climbing a tree, whatever you're in, even hanging stands. I run a lineman's belt when I'm um, hanging stands. So it's all legs at that point. And by the time I get down out of the tree, my legs are just hopping. Well, you know what I'm really scared of? You can relax. Talking about all this, I have one major concern, major concern. And, and, man, I hate to bring it up for who I'm concerned about, and I'm a little nervous Oh but I feel really sorry, really sorry for the deer herd in Ohio because once Clint dives into this saddle hunt <laughs> shit, this, that herd's going to be hurting, man. They're going to have to put a, put him on the fucking D list. He's like a timber. <laughs> he'll be a timber samurai. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I run uh, I run sticks and a lone wolf a lot. I mean, yep. it takes me five minutes to run up, hunt, and five minutes to come down. And I mean, I hunt a lot of properties where I got a lot of guys that share farms or they hunt. You know, they they spend as much time following me around as they do deer hunting. So, I mean, I do a ton of climbing, <laughs> and I do a ton of hanging banging hunts. And, you know, I mean, it's something that, you know, definitely, uh, after hearing you guys talk more about it, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I it has not lit a fire for me yet, but I haven't actually got to mess with it. So... It's something that, like, in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to piss around with that and try it. Um, and, and I will you, say that and you probably will this summer coming up. I mean, try it and oh, and yeah. play play yeah. around the tree, and then and then, like I said, you tuck it in your back pocket and wait for that perfect time, and then you you got it, yep. you got it down. Any yep. guy that's yeah. trying to have a saddle mentioned in a major bow hunting publication is going to get you a system very fast. Yeah. That's the uh, the way it goes. <laughs> so let's taper off there. I appreciate all you guys coming in to uh, drop knowledge and just take the time on the weekday like we do. We're all working class. We all have shit to do tomorrow. But first episode of 2019, I think it went well. We did a longer one. We covered a lot. I hope this helped a lot of the guys with the uh, late season depression and the, and the doubt. It's time to refire because in July you're going to be wishing you were still hunting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Kick the afterburners on. Solid, guys. I'm going to close out with something positive from everyone, but does anybody have anything they want to add? I mean, feel free to dive in if there's something we miss. No, man, I'm good. I think we're good. Yeah. Clint, close us out with something positive, my friend. Something positive. 2019, it's now time to start planning all of our hunts for the year ahead. I'm pretty excited about that. I got a I got a baby coming on the way, Keaton William. Congratulations, oh, by the way. Oh, yeah. When's that unit oh, yeah. do? <laughs> hey, I mean, Danielle, she's she's ready to pop here any day now. So, I mean, it's Congrats, supposed to be brother. towards the, you know, towards like that third into fourth week. But I don't think uh, we're going to, I don't, I don't think she's going to make it that long. But three, uh, you got three, you're going to have three boys now, huh? Yep. Yep. We'll have, Damn, yeah, your testosterone level must be low because yep. high testosterone produces girls, I heard. 
That's false. <laughs> That's false. <laughs> false news. I'm with you. I'm with you, Clint. I got three boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, there it is. No, I, I think we covered. Man, we we covered a lot. Uh, just thinking real quick. Only thing I would say we didn't cover or didn't touch on. I mean, I know we all do it, but all the listeners should do it. Um, man, don't forget to shoot those bows and and, and you know with. And if we ever get some colder weather, man, that, that alters so much. I mean, it alters draw length. It alters, you know, brace height. I mean, Muscles. You know, make sure you make sure y'all, yeah, yeah, make sure you guys are shooting your bows and don't forget equipment, tree stands, put, put, you know, put canola oil on them, put, you know, non, um, non-scented oil. I mean, any creeps, any, I mean, just check your gear out. You know, I mean, uh, every year I hear somebody around my area that, was coming to full draw and his rest squeaked at a bucket 15 yards or his tree stand creaked or he brushed up against a tree, you know, uh, a rough bark tree with his, with his, uh, his jacket and it spooked a buck. I mean, just, just be wary of all that stuff. I mean, we didn't cover it, but just something to preparation you know, pays off. Yeah, yep. For sure. Small, small details, man. Make sure you're checking your, uh, crossing your T's and dotting your I's. Well, thanks Clint for all the advice, man. Coming on the show yet again, you're a uh, you're a listener favorite, man. We appreciate the fuck out of you, and appreciate you being on the first show of 2019. Hell yeah, man! Happy to get uh, hooked up with everybody. I need to uh, get in the studio and uh, hey, yeah, dude, come come do Iowa Classic in Des Moines first weekend of March with us. I think people would be glad to see you <laughs> for sure. Hell yeah, man! I'd be I'd be a good time for sure. Yeah, we need to we need to make that happen. Eric, what do you got? Well, I got two more day or this weekend left to. Try and make something happen here, and we got ATA next week. So that's right, man. We got I got a busy week coming up. And congrats so on the new job. Yep, we got a new job. You're back full right. time on the podcast. Yeah. I'm cracking beers again, so it's yeah, it's awesome. I think this is the first podcast I've done with you in about the last four that I've done. Yeah. So. <laughs> right, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, Tank, what do you got, man? Give us all the news, all the announcements, and and uh, not that you hate Christmas and all the positivity. Yeah, uh, no, uh, leave yeah, Christmas Chris- out of this, man. I say I'm happy now. Christmas is over. <laughs> Jeez. Fucking no. Scrooge. Yeah. <laughs> Got another uh, little one on the way. Congrats. Yeah. Congrats. Congrats. Nice. Man, a lot yeah. of babies. A lot of babies in 19 lined right. up. Just coming yeah. in them, man. <laughs> Whoa. No. It's vulgar. I'm sorry. Oh. Oh. It was supposed to be funny, but no one thought it was as funny as I thought it would have been. But no, 2018, it was good to me, and hopefully 2019 is even better. Apparently our whole crew doesn't know how it works. Um Biology, that is. <laughs> Still learning. Still learning. Ross, you haven't figured it out yet, man. What's up with you? You got anything positive? Oh, boy. Uh-oh. God, man, I felt harsh. I'm sorry. That was a joke. <laughs> it, it meant to go way... You li- suck. It meant to go over way lighter than it than it did. So, uh, anyway, Ross, sorry. Uh, we're uh, So, we're at the end of the season. I don't know. I still have yet to some, some big boy showing up. I know they're out there, but... Uh, you know, got high hopes somebody will show up. Otherwise, yeah. um, Papa Dave's high fiving you right now, man. Good because he's uh, he's struggling too. I feel yep. bad. It's uh, so I, it could happen, and maybe it won't. But that's all right. We're, we're gonna grind it out. Um, ATA's coming up. Uh, Austin and I are pumped. We're gonna join you guys down there. Yeah, man. Whole crew's uh, gonna be there. Yeah. So um, gonna be a blast. Uh, just made a solid podcast, Clint Casper. That was that was fun talking with you. Um, Hell yeah, my man! Long time overdue. Yep, that's right. Um, going into this season, uh, looking forward to picking up 
some awesome sheds. It's coming hot, coming in real, real hot. quick. Yeah. Be here before yeah. we know it. Austin and I were talking about that last night. It's the next the thought after ACA, man. It's yeah, yeah it's coming. So it's, I found my first shed last year it was like January twenty second, mm. and I had it was chewed on already. It oh. had blood on the base. I had a little buck come in the other night. Had both sides dropped already. Oh, Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Start that. running around. Austin, it's just, give us it's just nice to. I'll finish up. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just nice to. Uh, come off a season uh with more knowledge and and studying the deer and figuring out different ways for the future yeah um going into 2019 you set bigger goals and and i'm i know what i'm gonna do and and try different things so uh feeling solid you never know it all man you never know it all well thanks for coming ross austin close it out my brother well i guess what i would have to say is just thanks to everybody for all the all the positive vibes i've got uh, got to share these two deer with you guys and uh, got a lot of positive vibes from from the wcb family so yeah really do appreciate it got it was a great season for me and uh got a couple that i've been watching that i'm looking forward to seeing next year so it's going to be fun awesome. yeah. well, thanks for coming yeah. again like hey. i always love having you guys appreciate it um i have a couple things that are positive and i guess i haven't really announced it yet on the podcast uh, I, I thought I have, but I just kind of got used to a baseline. Uh, me and Samantha are expecting a baby April 22nd. So that's a, it's going to be a little girl, a little bow hunter. Yahoo! Congratulations, congrats, homie. buddy. Yeah, and, uh, congrats. Coming thanks, quick. That's, that'll be here before you know it. I thought I had talked about it. We kept it off social media, not because we wanted to hide it, but because we just love the old school way of just telling people in person, which is super refreshing. I don't think you said anything at all in here, have you? I haven't. Nope, this is my no. first time. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, having a little girl, uh, April 22nd, a little mid-turkey season baby. So uh, I'll be taking turkey season off this year, but I'm looking forward to later on getting her started on our birthday type deal. And, uh, For sure. I'm pumped, man. I really am super stoked about it. Um, you know, every every guy wants a, wants a boy. But I got the high testosterone, man. So it just, it just girls come out of it. I've had, I've had, I've had guys tell me you got to go deeper for girls. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I can reach pretty far. But, um, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm super stoked, man. I'm so pumped to be a dad and just kind of like share my passion with my own product, really. You know, because my wife's into it. She has a bow. I'm just pumped all about it. I'm so stoked. Um, ATA is coming in hot. Super stoked for that. Uh, meet up with all our friends um yeah everyone the whole crew will be there um yep. ross austin will be with us and uh jordan tank will be there yep. uh, we're gonna be we're starting our, our filming for season two at ata for Car- uh, at carbon, carbon tv yeah. um we got a, some big episodes planned um a ton of episodes planned actually if you're gonna be there we'll be in the we'll be based out of the rub line marketing room you can find us there We'll be all over between all the outdoor group booths and Big Time and all our other partners. We'll be bouncing around. We'll be, at, we'll be at ATA somewhere. Just find yeah. us. Yeah, we will yeah. be there. Just, just, just a big enough crew. You'll find something. Right. Free bush light. Free bush light. And we'll come running. <laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening. We appreciate your support through the 20, through 2018 and into 2019. We're hoping to kill it this year. And uh, just keep it as comfortable as possible. Get you through your work day. We love you. Go shoot your bow. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up